Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon, and today you might notice it's a little bit more echoey than it has been in the past. We are in the process of moving from Durham, North Carolina to LA within the next week, and my closet, where I usually record my podcast, it's so fancy, is now empty, and I had to hang up blankets um, because... I don't know if you knew this, but podcasting in your closet is one of the best places to do it because the clothes deflect all the sound. So anyways, if if it sounds a little bit more echoey, that's why, but we're doing what we can. I always try to be consistent with my content, no matter what's going on in my personal life. So it was important to me to make sure that I released an episode today, despite all the craziness of moving. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And today I want to piggyback on the episode that I did last week about HIIT cardio and dive deeper into steady state cardio. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would highly recommend you go do that because it talks about things like mitochondria and blood sugar and how much HIIT cardio can be beneficial and maybe how much HIIT cardio can backtrack you. And today I want to talk about steady state cardio, what it is, my suggestion on how to use it, the difference between steady state and HIIT, the positives and negatives, and then I want to give a general framework of how you can incorporate both steady state cardio and HIIT into your training if you want. And I always want to say like right off the bat, there is no one size fits all. And I'm going to say that a lot this episode, but I truly believe that. And I think, you know, I have my own opinions about cardio based on what works in my own body and what I've researched and what has worked in my clients' bodies. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. And if you're someone that hates cardio, do I think that you need to do it to see great results? No, I really don't. So you could stop listening to this episode if that gives you the answer that you want to hear. But um, if you do love cardio, I know I have a ton of cardio junkies in my membership. Hopefully this episode will give you some information on how to incorporate it in a way that moves the needle for your results rather than backtracks you. So first I want to talk about how the body adapts to exercise, because I think it's important to set this up so you can understand that there's a sweet spot for every individual that will determine if they are either getting the positive results from exercise or if they're seeing negative results from their training. Adaptation is ultimately what we're looking for in our training. We want our muscles to be stronger. We want our heart to pump more effectively, and we want to be less out of breath when we walk up a flight of stairs. Exercise in the right dosages for your body will prompt your body to lay down more tissue that will allow these changes to happen. And I want to be really clear about something. Exercise itself is not what makes you stronger. I think there's a big misconception about that. Like you're getting stronger within your workout and that's actually not true. It's the processes that your body does afterwards that make you stronger. So it's essentially how you recover after your workouts that make you stronger, not your workout itself. Exercise actually makes you temporarily weaker in the moment. How your body recovers will dictate if you actually get the benefits from the training. So we want to make sure that you're recovering properly, i.e. giving your body enough time and not overtraining and programming appropriately so that you have the right amount of stimulus without overdoing it so much that you overwhelm your system and inhibit your recovery. You want to make sure that your time during your exercise is well spent and actually moving you forward instead of moving you backward. How your body adapts to training and to exercise has to do with protein synthesis. Protein synthesis is the process of breaking down the protein from the food that you eat and creating amino acids. 
and your body will transport those amino acids from your food to tissues in your body, like your organs and your muscles and your organs and your muscles will take those amino acids and create new, better, stronger tissue with those amino acids. So we'll specifically talk about muscle protein synthesis in this episode. Protein degradation is the opposite process that breaks muscle tissue down. So essentially, you want to have a little bit of a balance between the synthesis and the degradation, so the build up and the breakdown. This process is always happening within your body, and when protein synthesis is higher than protein degradation, you have more muscle. When the protein synthesis equals the degradation or the breakdown, when the buildup equals the breakdown, you have maintenance. And obviously when you have more breakdown than you do build up, that's when you see muscle loss and that's what we want to avoid. So because more muscle loss leads to less healthier joints, a less healthy metabolism, all of those things, we want to shoot for more protein synthesis than degradation, or at least we want them to be about the same so that you're at least having maintenance and you're not losing muscle. Protein degradation is always happening, but it can be increased or decreased depending on many factors, including the dosage of your cardio. So that's why this is important. That's why I'm talking about this in this episode specifically. Before you exercise, you start at homeostasis. This is where your body is at rest or at equilibrium. When you exercise, you come to a first crossroads, a first split in the road. You exercise enough to either disrupt that equilibrium and stress your body, or you don't exercise enough to stress your body and you stay at your equilibrium. If you have stressed your body enough, it will trigger adaptation or change in your body's systems like your cardiovascular system and your muscular system. If you don't stress your body enough past the homeostasis point or past the equilibrium point, you don't see any changes or adaptation. And I think this is where people get confused because they think that in order to disrupt the equilibrium, they have to basically be near death or dragging themselves off their floor, off the floor after their workouts, or they won't push it enough to see change. And I'd like to challenge that because I think that anytime you feel your muscles burning or getting fatigued, or you feel your heart pumping faster than its resting point, you are disrupting the equilibrium. So it doesn't actually take as much as we've been conditioned to believe that it does. So let's say you've gone down the crossroads of disrupting your equilibrium to the point where your body will then have to adapt. So then after that, you get to a second crossroads where it's, did you stress your body appropriately enough to the point where it can recover from that stress? Or did you stress your system so much that it's overwhelmed and it won't be able to recover? If you did stress your body to the point where it can't easily recover and it's overwhelmed, you will see performance loss, muscle loss, hormone disruption, potentially insulin resistance, which is what I talked about in the last episode. And eventually, sometimes you can even see weight gain. This partially has to do with how well you metabolize a stress hormone called cortisol. Some people will metabolize cortisol very well. But many women will overdo it on the exercise and their nervous system gets so overwhelmed with the amount of circulating cortisol that it gets in the way of their ability to recover. And they end up seeing negative side effects from exercise like insulin resistance, potentially weight gain, potentially joint issues, hormone issues, things like that. 
So next week, I actually want to do a deep dive into cortisol and how to know if you have too much cortisol. So stay tuned for that podcast dropping next Thursday. So now let's go to the opposite side of the crossroads where you stress your body enough past equilibrium, but not so much that your system is overwhelmed. That is when you will start to see desirable changes like increase in performance, increased muscle mass, increased metabolism, better sleep, better mood, joint health, all of those things, which is honestly what we all want from our routine. So I wanted to paint that picture because I think it's important to understand that there is a dosage of how much exercise and what type of exercise will produce positive changes versus negative changes. And I always like to say that this is highly, highly individualized. We all know that one person that works out intensely every single day and they seem to be totally fine. And then on the flip side, we know that person and maybe it's you listening and I know it's me, honestly, that can't tolerate hardly any super intense exercise without feeling super tired or painful or having sleep issues, mood issues, etc. And a lot of this has to do with your genetics, your history, stress levels outside of your workout. So how you're eating, your relationships, like what is in your stress bucket, how full your stress bucket is. A lot of that will dictate how well you tolerate exercise and how much exercise you do tolerate and how much exercise is right and desirable for your body. Now that said, I think for the most part, for most people, unless you are, you know, running a race or doing a marathon or something like that. That's a different conversation. That's not what I'm talking about in this podcast. This podcast is mostly targeted towards those of you who want to be fit and you just want information um, to try to make sure that your body is as fit as possible without getting the negative side effects. So we're not talking about endurance athletes or competing or anything like that. But just for the person who wants to be fit and healthy, we want to prioritize gaining muscle or at least maintaining it. Because as we age, sarcopenia starts to take over. And sarcopenia is where adults generally have the tendency to lose muscle unless they're being intentional about strength training. So my philosophy is that cardio is just a bonus add-on. Cardio should not be the priority and it shouldn't be overdone. Because as I'll speak about in a minute, too much of it can blunt your protein synthesis potentially decreasing your muscle mass and having negative side effects on both your metabolism and your joints. So too much cardio in addition to your strength training routine can reverse all of the work that you're doing in your strength training routine. So we want to add cardio strategically if you add it at all. So although I'll give you a framework for how to do cardio and just kind of some general recommendations, just know that this process may take trial and error and experimenting for you to figure out exactly how much is right for your body. Because remember, if you want to add in cardio, my philosophy is to do so conservatively so we aren't spiking cortisol, blunting protein synthesis, and getting in the way of recovering and getting stronger from our strength training sessions. Okay, so I just wanted to say that. Let's dive into steady state cardio. Steady state activity is a cardiovascular exercise that can be sustained for an extended period of time. Usually you could do a type of exercise like this for 45 minutes or an hour or sometimes longer. Examples are jogging, walking, biking, or an aerobics class. This type of exercise does not place a high intensity demand on the muscles, which is why it can be carried out for so long. Within steady state cardio, there's kind of two different categories. You have LIS and MIS. LIS is low intensity steady state cardio. 
This is generally walking, hiking, leisurely bike rides, leisurely swimming, anything where your heart rate is around 120, 110, 120 beats per minute. And you can generally keep a conversation pretty easily while you're doing this type of exercise. Miss, on the other hand, is medium intensity steady state cardio, which is usually in the 130 to 140 beats per minute category. This is going to be different depending on who you are, your age, your cardiovascular health, things like that. But for most people, 130 to 140 tends to be more of that medium intensity steady state cardio range. This heart rate range is where you can often land in like a spin class, unless the spin class is really targeted towards doing HIT. Um, This is often where you land in jogging or power walking or incline walking, or sometimes um, some harder hikes, this is where you'll land. This type of exercise will be more difficult to maintain a conversation because you're going to be puffing. So let's first talk about lists and if there's a place for lists in my recommendations. So This is the type of steady state cardio that I prefer to prioritize over miss. And I do lists for my body three to four times per week for like 20 to 30 minutes. And I prefer it because it's much less likely to interfere with my recovery from my strength training routine because it's easier on your central nervous system, unlike miss or hit cardio. LIS is less likely to turn off protein synthesis, and it's less likely to get in the way of you seeing results from your strength workouts. It's also easier on your joints since it's generally like walking or hiking and lower impact, um, which just tends to be less stress on your joints. To me, LIS is a great complement to my program, and it is my preference over miss. How I do LIS is I will, again, I'll just do three to four days per week, 20 to 30 minute walks. That's it. And sometimes I'll do hikes. Um, It doesn't have to be a lot. I don't overstress about this. If I don't get my four days, three to four days per week, I don't stress. It's, I think stressing about your workouts is also part of the problem because, and again, maybe I'll talk about this next week a little bit more, but I think it just tends to spike your cortisol even more and backtracks you more. So I don't ever stress or get perfectional perfectionist about this. I just walk when I can, when I'm feeling good. And if I miss a few days, I don't, I don't really overstress about it. So let's get into miss, which is medium intensity, steady state cardio or moderate intensity, steady state cardio, however you want to say it, like jogging. And I will say that doing exclusively miss and not strength training is a mistake, in my opinion, which I'll talk about in a moment. So I'm always happy to hear when runners um, come to me and they're like, okay, I'm a runner, but I also want to incorporate your strength training classes. To me, that's always a win. However, doing too much miss can actually inhibit you from seeing results from your strength training workouts. Miss can blunt protein synthesis, which I talked about before. Again, that's the pathway that signals to your body to improve muscle size and strength. When this pathway is turned off because of overstressing your body with too much miss and spiking that cortisol, you can inhibit your body from seeing the benefits of your strength training workouts. This is where your cardio can become counterproductive, right? This is where you're doing a lot per week, but you're you're, it's sort of a waste of time because you're not actually seeing the benefits from it. So you're dosing it incorrectly. So doing some steady state cardio can be beneficial, but doing too much can be harmful. So with steady state cardio, both LIS and MIS, you're using a smaller percentage of your slow twitch or your type one muscle fibers over and over. And this is important because slow twitch muscle fibers, although they're important, they don't make up most of the size or the mass of your muscle. 
Fast twitch muscle fibers are the large fibers that fatigue quickly and they make up most of the changes in your muscle size. So by strengthening and working on your fast twitch or your type two muscle fibers, you'll see muscle growth kind of more rapidly. Slow twitch fibers are fatigue resistant, which means they take a long time to tire out and they are generally stimulated with steady state cardio or really high rep, low load type of activities. So we want to stimulate as many of the fibers in our muscles as possible, both fast and slow twitch, in order to ultimately gain lean tissue, which improves your metabolism, improves your cardiovascular health, improves your bone density, etc. So if you're doing exclusively steady state cardio, you can start to lose muscle mass, which will decrease your basal metabolic rate, which will decrease your metabolism. So interestingly, as you participate in more steady state cardio, your body tends to get more efficient at it and you burn fewer calories than you did initially. This is why a runner's endurance doesn't always transition to their endurance on a bike. Their body and their nervous system simply got more efficient at the motor patterns required for running. Or in other words, if you ever heard of kind of muscle memory, their body gets really good at it, at that muscle memory, but that muscle memory doesn't necessarily transition to other types of endurance activities. So it tends to be more activity specific when you get really good at your endurance. But that aside, gaining muscle as we age, like I said, is key to maintaining a healthy body and a healthy metabolism. As we lose muscle with sarcopenia, your basal metabolic rate will begin to decline. Again, your basal metabolic rate is how many calories your body burns each day just to keep you alive. So if you eat the same amount that you ate in your 20s, and you're in your 30s now, and you're only running, you're not doing strength training, you can start to see weight gain because potentially you've lost muscle from the transition from your 20s to your 30s, your basal metabolic rate goes down a little bit, and you can potentially start to see weight gain if you're eating this exact same that you did when you were in your 20s. That's just an example. Everyone is going to be a little different there, so don't, so don't freak out if, um, if you're in your 30s and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just running. It's not too late. Just means that you need to start to add some intentional strength training. But I'll get to that in a moment. Muscle burns more calories than any tissue in your body. In other words, it requires lots of energy to keep you alive. Per pound of muscle, your body burns an additional 50 to 100 calories per day. So if you gain five pounds of muscle over the span of a year, which I think is can be pretty normal in a program like mine, you could be burning an additional 500 calories per day than you did the year before even if you don't work out, even if you're just resting on your couch. And I've talked about this a lot. I did a podcast about metabolism. I think it's episode number three, if you want to go back and learn more about that. So the key is to improve your basal metabolic rate or your metabolism by gaining more muscle. As you increase your muscle mass, you will have the ability to participate in even more vigorous activities without compromising your joints, and you will continually improve your basal basal metabolic rate. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. You might get to the point where your joints are feeling better and you can tolerate something like a HIIT workout every once in a while. This will allow you more freedom with your food because your body will burn more calories at rest. However, a big mistake that I see with people that do a lot of cardio and they're not strength training is that they're trying to lose weight, so they will do a bunch of cardio and they'll cut their calories. But if you aren't strength training, your body will not only decrease fat in that caloric deficit, but it will also decrease muscle, bone, and connective tissue. This will lower your basal metabolic rate or your metabolism because you've lost muscle tissue and you'll have to diet your entire life to maintain a certain lean weight or whatever. So 
when you are strength training, you are placing a high demand on your system to lay down more muscle, bone, connective tissue, and neural tissue. So the body's weight loss will come exclusively from fat. If you control your nutrition by eating unprocessed foods and you control your insulin levels, this is something that you need to defer to a nutrition specialist about. But I did talk about insulin levels just a little bit in the podcast last week that you can go back to. You can start to approach a healthy body fat with lots of protective muscle. It's an amazing thing. We talked about steady state cardio. We talked about HIT in the last episode. Let's now go over the main differences between HIT and steady state cardio. And after this, I'll leave you with a framework that you can try in your own body. And of course, with the understanding that you'll continue to monitor your own progress and how you're feeling and be open to making tweaks to fit your own body. There truly is not a one size fits all approach. To me, that's the fun part though. It's learning about your body and playing with what you can do to make your body the most optimal it can be. So the difference between steady state cardio and HIT is that HIT is max effort and it can't be sustained for very long. Whereas steady state cardio is low to moderate effort that can be sustained for a long period of time. During HIT, your heart rate is close to max, maybe around 160, again, depending on who you are, your age, things like that. And it can be sustained for a brief amount of time, maybe like 15 to 30 seconds. So you're not going super hard for very long, but you are pretty much at your max effort for a very brief amount of time. And then after that brief intense bout, you recover for a short period of time and then go again. So HIT is (laughs) brutal. Honestly, I hate HIT. And you feel like you want to die, but the good part is, is that it's super short and it's time effective and it has its benefits as I talked about in the last podcast, but it's not for everyone. If you are new to exercise or if you have cranky joints, if you have hormone imbalances, if you know you potentially might be one of those high cortisol people that's super stressed, HIT might not be your exercise of choice until you get those things under control. Additionally, if you hate this type of training like me, I'm a believer that you don't have to force yourself to do it to see great results. Strength training and good nutrition can absolutely be enough to see great results. HIT can have various different forms. You can either go ham on a bike, um, sprints, sled pushes, battle ropes. You can take my Wednesday cardio burst class and go ham there. It can have lots of different forms. But the reason you don't want to do HIT more than a couple times per week is because you can inhibit your ability to recover from your strength training workouts. I personally like HIT like one time per week in my Wednesday cardio burst class. That's really all I do. That's the only amount of HIT that I do per week, and it, it tends to feel really good for me. Again, I talked about why you shouldn't do a bunch of HIT in the podcast that I did last week and how that can backtrack your results. So I think that people get injured when they are strength training and lifting weights and they're trying to get stronger in the gym, but they're also doing too much miss or hit and they're inhibiting their recovery. They're spiking their cortisol, their their central nervous system is overwhelmed and they're not able to recover. So what ha- what's happening is they're maybe blunting protein synthesis and they're losing muscle, but at the gym, they're trying to increase their weights more and more and more and lift heavier and heavier and heavier. And they're body eventually gives in because they don't have the muscle mass to sustain the heavier lifts that they're trying to do. And then they end up getting injured. So it's nothing to be afraid of, but it just comes with an understanding that you have to take a stab at it and know that it's normal to be constantly adjusting for different stages and seasons of your life. So you might be at the point where you're like, okay, I'm feeling really good. I'm going to add in a little cardio. And then you might be like, oh, that's too much. I'm going to back up. So let's go over a framework a little more specifically on how to incorporate 
hit and steady state if you want to incorporate them at all. And I want to give what's worked best for my body and options for you depending on your priorities. I'm definitely not anti-cardio, but I do tend to think that it's overemphasized. And I think we heard once that cardio is really good for you or HIT is really good for you. And then people just take that information and they go to the extreme and they end up seeing negative results. So I think it can easily be overdone in a stressed out, undernourished, someone that's cutting their calories, someone that's sleep deprived, especially women. And if this sounds like you, my suggestion is to not even worry about cardio right now. If you, if your joints hurt, if you kind of feel like you're falling apart a little bit, if you're super strung out and stressed out, if you're not eating well, if you aren't able to get a lot, a lot of sleep, cardio, I think should not be your priority. You, we need to get your cortisol in check. We need to get your joints feeling good. We need to get you stronger. We need to get your metabolism going really well. And then once you feel better, then maybe we'll add in some cardio. So as I said, I like to be conservative with my training and I don't like to get in the way of my recovery and therefore my results. I would much rather prioritize my strength training results and add in cardio, um, but really make sure that my cardio is not inhibiting my strength training results. So my body feels best with this routine. I do one 15 minute hit type class on Wednesdays. I do one more moderate and short cardio class that's low impact on Mondays. And these are all the classes that I teach, by the way. I don't do any workouts besides the one that I teach and my walking. And then I do super specific biomechanically driven strength training classes like Monday through Friday. And then my cardio is less and I just walk and I walk at a moderate pace, usually flat. Sometimes I'll do hikes with my husband three to four times a week for 20 to 30 minutes per walk. And again, I don't stress if I don't get in the three to four times per week. I think that's counterproductive. I just kind of do what I can. Uh, I think just on average, it tends to be three or four times a week. At least one of those walks is usually on my recovery day. So my recovery days are Saturday and Sunday. And I find for me, this routine gives me the best results with the least amount of joint issues. However, I will say that sometimes I feel like I could ramp this up and add in another hit session and feel great. But some some weeks, I feel like this my usual routine is too much. It depends on other stressors in my life at the time. So for example, the past few weeks, we've been moving, like I talked about, and lifting a ton of boxes. And not only is my body a bit physically stressed from that, but my environment feels chaotic. Like my living room is in boxes. I don't know where anything is. I'm trying to run a small business and be consistent with my content, but my life kind of feels like a mess because everything is all over the place and I'm, I just feel out of my element. So not only is my body a little physically stressed from the moving, but I'm kind of mentally stressed as well. Like my mental stress is higher than my baseline. So I've had to adjust my workouts a little bit, and I've honestly taken out some of my lists, and I've also just been really conscious about my workouts. I might not go as hard in my workouts, or I might use lighter weights, just because I feel myself feeling the effects of kind of some stress that's above my baseline. So again, I'm not perfectionist here. We're all humans, and it's normal to adjust for different seasons of your life. And those seasons of your life might last longer than a few weeks, and that's okay too. But when you're ready and you're feeling good and you feel like you have your cortisol and joint health in check, maybe you consider slowly adding in cardio. And I know this is where a lot of my clients are after they've been doing my program for 
a couple of months. Some people get to this point, like after one month, a lot of people do. Some people, it takes longer than that. And don't feel shameful or guilty if you're like, I'm six months in and I'm still kind of feeling like I'm struggling with some of these things. It's okay. So for some people, for me, it took me like eight months before I felt like my body was in a good place and I could ramp it up. So it just depends on your genetics, on what's going on in your life. So don't feel guilty if it's taking you a little longer. But I do know a lot of my clients are at like month one and two and they're like, okay, I'm starting to feel good. Like maybe I could add a bit more. So let's talk about that. In this process where we are experimenting with your dosage of exercise, we cannot be perfectionists. Instead, I want you to be a scientist of your own body. Develop a hypothesis, test the hypothesis, and don't be offended if your hypothesis is wrong, right? Scientists don't get all (laughs) offended when they have a hypothesis that they've then proven wrong. You just go back, you create another hypothesis, and you try again. There's no one size fits all. Some people can run three times a week alongside their strength workouts and not turn off their protein synthesis and feel great. Some will see muscles weaken and atrophy running three times a week alongside their strength training routine. I can't give a perfect suggestion for you, but it will just come down to experimenting with yourself. If you've been doing my strength workouts for a couple of months, again, and you're feeling good, it might be time to add some cardio. And maybe you add one of my low impact cardio classes after a build class, or you could add it on Thursday if you don't take the yoga class. So for example, your workout would look like this Monday, lower body, followed by a low impact cardio class, Tuesday, upper body, Wednesday, burn, which is my Pilates class. Thursday, you could do a, another low impact cardio class if you want. Friday would be full body. And then Saturday and Sunday, you recover or do a short walk on one of those, one or both of those days. And if that feels good, if your joints are feeling good and you're sleeping well and you're digesting well, you may want to experiment with adding some hit. And let me just say that that don't don't add a bunch all at once. So add add something, see how your body feels for a couple of weeks. Add something else, see how your body feels for a couple of weeks. So make sure that you're giving it a couple of weeks, if not a full month, before you decide if you either want to take something out or add something in. So if you're feeling good after that routine and you want to try adding some hit, I would try adding one hit class per week for about a month and see how you feel. So one hit class in addition to what you're doing. Um, you could either do my higher impact cardio burst class on Wednesdays right after burn, right after the Pilates class, or you could add a bike interval. So if you have a bike or if you have access to a bike, I know a lot of my clients do, you could do this. So your bike interval would would be a warm-up for five minutes. Make sure that you're feeling really warm, your joints are feeling really good, and then you start in with your intervals. Your intervals will look like this. 20 seconds all out. Ramp up the resistance. Go as hard as you can. You should feel gassed by the end of this 20 seconds. You're at your pretty much max heart rate or near max your heart rate. And then you rest for one minute, and then you just repeat that process five times. And then make sure to cool down at the end with either a slow, gentle pedal, or you can even start one of my classes and just one of my cardio classes and fast forward to the cool down and just take the cool down of one of my cardio classes. This is really fun if you're like one of those people where (laughs) you love taking classes, but it's also kind of nice just to like jam out to your own music that you love and just kind of get after it. So this workout will take you like 
eight minutes total, <laughs> or at least um, at least the interval section, and then add in a five minute warm up and cool down. So you're in and out in you know around fifteen minutes, maybe a little bit longer. And that may not seem like a, a lot, but you will be gassed afterwards. You want to make sure that you are doing this not right after your leg day. So if you have your leg day on Monday, you would not want to do this on Tuesday because your legs will be very tired. You want to make sure you have at least one day in between working your legs. So again, if you're following my schedule, if you're doing Monday's class, I would do your hit class on Wednesday because then we usually work legs again on on Monday and on Friday. So doing the hit class on the bike on Wednesday is like a perfect perfect place to put it. Now, is HIT necessary? What if you're like, I hate that type of workout. I don't want to do that. No, <laughs> it is not necessary. You will never see me doing intervals on a bike because I'm not interested in that at all. <laughs> so if you hate it, you don't have to do it to see great results. But it can be a good thing to try if you are ready to ramp up your training a little bit. And don't be frustrated if you add this in and you start to experience joint issues or fatigue or constant soreness or etc. It just may mean that you spiked your cortisol a little bit too much and you need to go back to the drawing board, develop a new hypothesis, and then try that out again. Okay, last but not least, I want to talk about running because I get this question all the time and I'm not going to really talk about my opinion about running. I more just want to talk about how you can incorporate running into your strength training routine. So running is probably considered miss, right? That moderate or medium intensity steady state uh, cardio. Although miss isn't my favorite type of steady state to pair with strength training, it can be done well. My suggestion would be to pick a number of runs per week that you want to start with. So prioritize your strength training workouts first and then sprinkle in your runs from there. So if you're an Evlo member, you'll want to take my Monday lower body build class, Tuesday upper body build class, Wednesday core class, and then Friday full body build and burn class. And then if you run like say three times a week, you could run after legs on Monday and after core on Wednesday. And then Thursday could be your day off or a run and then you know, Saturday or Sunday, if you don't run on Thursday, uh, you could do a run on one of those days, or you could take recovery days on two of those days. So again, it's just going to be about playing around with your own schedule, finding what works best for you without overstressing you either mentally and physically. So if you're going to pair cardio with strength training in one session, so like if you're going to do a class or a strength training session and then follow it with cardio, my suggestion is to do the strength training class first and then do a short session, maybe 20 or 30 minutes of cardio after you do the strength training. This way you aren't tiring yourself out by doing too much cardio first and then inhibiting your ability to perform in your strength training session. So try that for a month or so and see how you feel. And again, if you aren't recovering well, if you have constant soreness or tightness, or if you're feeling weaker, or if you're not seeing strength improvements, take out a run and repeat the process again. Keep tapering down and playing with with your schedule until you find a schedule that works really well and that you feel really good. You shouldn't feel completely depleted all the time. That could be a sign that you're doing too much. And again, reversing the effects because too much cortisol isn't good for our bodies. And lastly, this goes for anyone who is adding cardio. If you're a runner, if you're doing HIT, if you're doing LIS, whatever you're doing, if you have a busy week and you need to prioritize, do the strength training workouts and ditch the cardio. Don't worry about the, the cardio. Just do the strength workouts because muscles need consistency. And, and since your strength training routines will also improve your cardiovascular health, like I talked about last week, your strength training sessions need to be the priority over your cardio sessions. 
All right, so I wanna summarize all of this because I gave you a lot of information. So let's summarize it all right here in a nice little pretty package. There are endless combinations of how to incorporate cardio. And like I said, there's no one size fits all. But here's the summary of how to add in cardio if you want to. Number one, most of your training time and days should be strength training. Just if you're an Evelyn member, just follow the build, burn, and build and burn classes. And the Thursday yoga class is optional and can be swapped for a cardio day if you want. Number two, if you want to add in cardio, my suggestion is to start with less. So like walking, easy hiking, easy biking, easy swimming for 20 to 30 minutes, three to four times a week, in addition to your strength training sessions. And again, it sounds like a lot, but since my classes are usually only like 30 minutes, four to five times a week, your exercise is still less than an hour a day. If you are feeling good with the strength workouts in your list, you could try adding one moderate intensity workout like my low impact cardio burst class, or you could try adding a HIIT workout, either on a bike or taking my um, Wednesday cardio burst class. If you love miss, talking to your runners, try titrating your miss into your strength training routine, meaning you maybe start with three 20 to 30 minute runs. Notice if your body feels heavy, if you feel fatigued, if you feel sore all the time. This might indicate you're not recovering properly and that you need to taper it down to two runs per week. And I wouldn't recommend doing both miss and hit multiple times per week. So maybe just pick one or the other and see how you feel. And if you're low on time, ditch the cardio and prioritize your strength training. So hopefully this will give you some ideas on how to play around with cardio. Be a scientist of your own body. I don't have the answers for your body or exactly what schedule will be the best for you, but now you have this information and you can play around with it. It's no frustration or confusion is allowed. Just set your routine, don't overthink it and see what happens. And like I said, how you respond and adapt is going to be dependent on how stressful your life is, how well you're eating, a little bit of your genetics, and how easily you can metabolize cortisol. Have some fun with it. Learning about your body isn't a chore. It's a privilege. So be sure to tune in next week as I dive into cortisol a bit more. I'm super excited to talk about that. And if you're not an Evlo member, it's time. EvloFitness.com, E-V-L-O-Fitness.com. Get in there, try the classes. I know you're going to love it. And thank you for listening. I will see you all next week. Bye.